Welcome to the Space Commune Podcast. I'm Alex, here with Fox, and our guest today is S.L. Kenton. As we move into a multipolar world, the future is being shaped in countries like China, Russia, and increasingly India. On Twitter, S.L. is one of the best analysts who's covering the new paradigm. He also has a substack called India and Geopolitics. Highly encourage checking it out. We're very excited to be talking to him today. SL, welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're excited to talk to you. You know, you just kind of showed up on my radar recently, and I was like, wow, this guy really, he has like, you know, he has the knowledge, man. He's He's got the he's got the news. Uh, he's He's got the takes on the timeline, and I want to hear about the multipolar world moving forward. Um, I'm curious, like, what's your background? Where, where, where did you come from all this? I mean, you, you started your Twitter only a year ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I worked in, uh, the technology for a long time, many years. And then about a decade ago, I got into, uh, geopolitics, uh, because I was like, wow, whatever that uh, happening in our life is actually affected by what's happening around the world. And whatever we learn in uh, the mainstream media is just wrong, plain yeah. wrong. You know, and it was just like a revelation. Uh, I was so shocked. And then I just uh, went on a uh, personal uh, journey and I just read and read and read thousands but thousands of uh, non-mainstream articles and uh, books and it just blew my mind away yeah wow that's yeah. that's really cool I feel like we have a similar journey where we're just like that you you know they they don't present the truth right you got to find the truth for yourself so you now you're on a journey of, of showing other people the truth right right exactly and you know I mean and we have to step out of uh, the comfort zone, you know, and we have uh, to explore all kinds of things, you know. So if you are a uh, liberal, well, uh, well, uh, uh, well, you should, uh, you know, uh, follow, uh, I mean, uh, some of uh, uh, the conservatives in uh, the social media. Yeah. And if you're a uh, Republican, you should go read uh, some liberal stuff. And, you know, and we should go and uh, do things like, you know, uh, uh, but go read about me. I mean, uh, I mean, like, I mean, uh, uh conspiracy theories, you know? Uh, yeah. And if you Some read, big. uh, a 50 up there and you find like, uh, 5% uh, of a truth in each one of them. And, uh, that will be a big revelation. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of nuggets of truth in conspiracy theories. Um, you know, they try to lay them out like a trap, right? So that you fall into the conspiracy theory and you just believe all of it. But if you can sort of pull out the tiny little, and that, like what you're saying, read different sources. And when you read different sources, you can kind of stitch together the actual reality rather than depending on one individual source anywhere. Yeah, I think that's a really good method for for sorting out what the truth actually is. Yeah, you know, and we have to free ourselves of, I mean, uh, the ideology, you know? Yeah. Uh, so get uh, stuck in, uh, I mean, uh, the labels, you know? I mean, as every day, at least uh, uh, but 10, 20 
people on uh, uh, social media, you know, they say, oh, you know, so you are a uh, Putin puppet. You are <laughs> a puppet. <laughs> you know, and these people, they just cannot think outside the bubble. Yeah. You know, it's very uh, self-limiting if we say, oh, I uh, so who am I? Uh, well, I'm this label, and I have to hate this for sure, and I have to like that for sure. I'm a, and... I'm a puppet of reality. Huh? I'm a puppet of reality. You know, that's what everyone always, everyone always accuses you of being a puppet or a paid, paid shill for this or that, and it's like, no, I'm just interested in what is reality, and that's what I'm talking about. So not a Putin puppet. You're a, you're a reality puppet. Exactly. And I get it. Yeah. <laughs> um... So I wanted to ask you, you know, all your, your sub stack is so good. The the writing is so clear. Um, I just wanted to read a little bit from a recent one you did called, uh, it was a podcast you put out, Strategic Autonomy for India and Developing Nations in a Multipolar World. I think that there's a lot of things, a lot of themes that we've talked about on our podcast and Fox's videos that already I just instantly think of when you, when you wrote this. And one of them was... Um, you write in this developing nations where 80% of the world's population lives will be adversely affected by geopolitical chaos. Take, for example, India, which is a low, still a low middle income country. Hundreds of millions of people still don't have access to clean water at home. One third of children are malnourished and our, uh, our labor force participation rate is only 40%. Now, when I, when I read that, there's a couple of things in, in our our body of work, our, our, our things that we've kind of uncovered over the years. Uh, one of them was that the book, The Population Bomb, which actually we have right here. I bought it. I found it at a used bookstore the other day. This is the mo one of the most uh, terrible books in history. Um, yeah, it's like, you know, it, it, the fact that it's sitting at a used bookstore, it's like seeing Mein Kampf at a bookstore. <laughs> it's the same same kind of thing. But one of the, the big anecdotes were... Um, Paul Ehrlich had his realization that there's too many people on earth was when he visited India and he saw the poverty in the seventies. He saw, you know, destitute, desperate po poverty, not enough food, not enough energy and his solution. And the solution of, um, this is kind of the, the guiding, uh, the underlying ideology of the Western ruling elite is that, well, India can't support its population. We need to ensure that they can live on $2 a day. And that means uh, reducing the population there, preventing India from developing. A another anecdote that we've uncovered over the years, there's a ar an architect of the Green New Deal in the United States. He's a senator named Ed Markey. And one of his big accomplishments that he even wrote a book about in the 80s was about how he prevented um, nuclear energy materials, uranium, from being shipped to India to prevent India from uh, developing its own nuclear power. And instead, you know, it's right along with the population bomb, preventing India from developing. Um, so I'll just read just a little more, I'll stop yapping, but um, so you, you write here that India needs to leverage its demographic dividend, its pool of young people, must urbanize rapidly, create hundreds of millions of jobs. Um, to achieve its developmental goals, India must avoid the imperialist trap of divide and rule. India should embrace strategic autonomy and avoid getting caught in the great power conflict. Some people say that India cannot work with China unless the border conflicts are resolved first. I say the opposite is true. 
work with China on trade, infrastructure, and manufacturing, and the emerging goodwill will help resolve the border issues. Um, so I'm curious, you know, reading that, first of all, that's awesome. I love that. It's exactly how we feel about peace through development, peace through win-win cooperation. Um, but um, I'm curious about that, the political economy in India, the political environment where um, obviously the border issue must be a, a big deal that takes up a lot of time in the media. Um, so, you know, when, when you, if you were to go and say that to 10 people, you know, on the street in India, uh, what would their reaction be? And, you know, what, what is the pushback in India um, to ideas like that? So, you know, uh, the politics here is very tough. It's, it's a uh, uh, very hard to talk to people in a uh, uh, rational way, you know. So, uh, so for example, uh, whenever I uh, bring up uh, China, like maybe seventy-five percent of uh, the people will have very strong negative reaction first, you know. And then if I uh, would talk to them for like. Uh, five ten minutes, and then they will slowly agree. Yeah, that's true. We might be able to work with them, but they have to, you know, to give the border. It's like a big, uh, very uh, 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 loaded emotional of a thing, you know. So uh, for me, uh, well, it doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, if you uh, have a look at uh, the border area uh, that in terms of uh, uh, the conflict, there's uh, uh, nothing there. It's just uh, barren land. There's no oil. There's no gold. There are no resources. Uh, so for me, the best way uh, would be, for example, for uh, both India and China to get together and say, uh, let's uh, uh, develop this uh, border area, and maybe we can uh, turn this into a, I mean, uh, I mean, a place uh, for tourism, you know, and then we uh, share the revenue, you know? Yes. So, uh, you know, for example, if you look at uh, China and uh, Russia, uh, they had a huge uh, border conflict for many decades. And then in uh, the 1990s, uh, they got together and they drew the borderline, and then they said, okay, uh, so now we are friends. It was so easy, you know? So uh, I think uh, there is a, uh, a solution, obviously, you know, a very simple solution, in fact, but you need uh, 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 the right sort of uh, the leaders, and uh, that's a problem in, I mean, uh, the democracy, uh, where you have to please millions and millions of users and if you say okay so i'm going to make peace and then uh, a lot of people will scream oh you're so weak you know uh, but just like uh, the u.s you know if uh, the u.s wants uh biden could uh sit together with uh putin and and it should be a very uh, straightforward uh, matter in terms of uh, resolving uh, the Ukraine issue, yeah. you know, I mean, uh, uh, because as uh, uh, so Russia just want uh, uh, Ukraine to not to be a part of uh, uh, NATO and they don't want uh, missiles in uh, 
uh, NATO, and uh, they don't want uh, the ethnic Russians to be uh, persecuted. Not a lot. No, so they're only yeah. So they're only uh, four or five uh, basic issues, you know. Yeah. So if uh, the leaders want, uh, they could do it, you know. So for example, I mean, if you look at, I mean. Uh, the U.S. president in uh, the 1950s, uh, President uh, Eisenhower, you know, and uh, he brought the uh, uh, Soviet Union's uh, uh, leader to the U.S., you know. Uh, so, uh, I mean, uh, Khrushchev, he came to the U.S. for like uh, 14 days yeah. and he traveled to the U.S., you know, and uh, but this was in... 1958 or uh, 59, you know, so during uh, the peak uh, Cold War. So uh, uh, we just need uh, uh, the right sort of uh, 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 statesmanship, you know. Uh, but now it's so hard these days, you know. People are so crazy, you know. They scream, oh, Putin is a thug. He's a war criminal. <laughs> And you're right. There's no there's no room for rational conversation and and peace building. Right? It seems like so far fetched. Especially that's interesting to hear too that um, people in India have that sort of uh, surface level impression of China that is kind of what we encounter here a lot. Where you know we were we were just in Washington D.C. and we took uh, we took a lift one night back from the the conference that we were at. And we were talking to the cab driver, and he was, you know, clearly an immigrant. Um, I'm not, we didn't ask what country he was from, but, you know, he said, oh, you're talking positively about Russia and China? You can't say that. You can't You can't say that. You're going to get in trouble. You're going to get, you know, I think he was, like, worried about our, our safety. And, yeah. and it's like, why is that so strange? You know, why is that so strange? I think most Americans, like you said, it— um, just for Indians, if you have sort of a rational conversation, say, no, actually, wouldn't it be better if we just got together and decided where the border should be or worked out our our differences um, like rational human beings? Uh, this It's really interesting that we're in that, we're kind of in that state of hysteria right now. Yeah. Yeah, and, that, and that's something, you know, something you wrote about um in your most recent piece, beautiful things are happening in geopolitics. You mentioned um, the uh, the pushback from uh, President Amlo in Mexico, where he says Mexico is not a colony of the USA. Um, he nationalized lithium a month ago, which is awesome um, to make to make his people wealthy, um, take care of his people for this uh, incredibly valuable commodity, uh, lithium. Um, but there, there's a parallel there because in the United States, uh, it's such a dominant conservative um, narrative, talking point about securing our border, preventing people from coming from Latin America, Mexico to the United States, coming here, you know, using tax dollars to uh, to live and you know undercut American labor. Um, and imagine if instead of um, focusing so much on you know, the animosity and securing our border and all the other stuff, which means we should have a secure border, but we can make it so much more secure if we joined China in the Belt and Road Initiative and helped South America, Latin America, Mexico develop, develop their productive forces, raise their standard of living so that people won't even want to cross the border. They're going to be like, oh, I have a, you know, I have a good life here. I have, 
I have a house, I have air conditioning, I have refrigerator, I have a washing machine. I don't need to to do a risky border crossing. And I feel like there's there's a parallel there to maybe the border conflict, um, at least on the Indian side, that as you as you've said, so many people are just desperate, desperate conditions in India. And I know you tweet sometime, you were tweeting recently about power outages that you were experiencing there. Um, yeah. And, you know, in the United States, these Green New Deal people, they're going to look at power outages in India and say, well, uh, we don't want you guys to burn fossil fuels to get power. You need to, to rely more and more on the weather, on solar panels, wind turbines, uh, and batteries. And we're not going to let yeah. you use fossil fuels or we're going to sanction you because you guys already emit too much carbon. Um, and I know, you know, you're not, you don't do, you you tweet a little bit about energy, but I'm just curious what you think about, about that and um, a little bit about the, um, the Indian side of, of that, about, you know, people discussing uh, fossil fuels versus climate change in, in the interest of having reliable power and being able to power homes and industries in India? So, uh, personally, I don't uh, believe in the whole, I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, the climate change, uh, uh, the ideology. And uh, so I wrote a, as I wrote an article about that in uh, Substack as well. And obviously, oh, I gotta find that. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we're, we're on the same page with you with that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so many of my friends were so shocked, you know, yeah. they're like, how can you say that? How can you go climate change? <laughs> it say that the uh, CO2 is not the toxic that's going to kill us all, you know? Yeah. So I wrote a long article and I gave them scientific facts. I gave them all kinds of stuff, but you know. You're killing us. <laughs> Killing is how can you say that a well-educated person? It's like a, it's like uh, uh, the mom. Uh, why do you speak? Why do you hate Greta Thunberg? <laughs> Thunberg. <laughs> no, I'm like wow. You know, uh, well, this is the first time in my life where I have to learn science from a sixteen-year-old uh, girl. You know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, <laughs> so I go out to NASA's website and you won't find a single formula. Okay. I'm like, what kind of a science is this that has no formula? You know, so it's all just narrative, you know, yep. it's like, a, like, I mean, I mean, uh, the astrology, you know, and if you talk to uh, people who believe in astrology, They'd be like, yeah, well, you are a Pisces and uh, you should marry a Libra. And they will have these 50 facts and, uh, uh, you know, uh, I mean, uh, anecdotes and uh, logic. And if you uh, believe in uh, the ideology, and then you will see a lot of examples around you. Like, wow, my friend, he married a Pisces. It was a terrible marriage. So it's like these people, uh, they believe in uh, uh, the climate change and uh, uh, the CO2 being the sole cause of global warming. And I go, uh, what is the formula? You know, yeah. for example, uh, 
uh, there is this uh, variable called uh, specific heat, you know, and uh, so you can go online and uh, so you can take a look at uh, the values of uh, specific heat uh, for all kinds of uh, gases and, uh, I mean, uh, the atmosphere, you know, but in no places uh, they will say, oh, so uh, this is the specific heat of uh, the atmosphere uh, based on uh, this amount of uh, CO2, you know. Uh, uh, so there's no formula that's going to link the uh, specific heat of uh, uh, the atmosphere to uh, the content of CO2, you know. And there's a lot of other, you know, it's, uh, they just uh, would turn this into uh, the narrative for uh, the masses, yeah. you know. And then it just uh, uh, becomes like a, a storytelling. Yeah. You know? So it's yeah. like uh, Putin invade Ukraine. Oh, because he's a bad guy. You know, <laughs> he wants it. Uh, and he hates democracy and he kills babies for fun. <laughs> but, oh, it's like, yeah. okay, can we talk about NATO expansion? Blah, blah. No, I don't want that. I just like very simple narratives. Yeah, exactly. No, isn't that funny, too, that the irony that you get called, if you bring these things up and you ask about the science behind it, you get called like a science denier if you don't believe their pseudoscience uh, narratives. So it's this perfect sort of rhetorical shield where they've created, they've turned science into a new religion where you can't question the dogma and the religion and if you do, you're actually anti-science, but but you're saying, no, I actually believe in science and I want to hear about, you know, the actual science behind this stuff. But no, you're not allowed to question it. it it's a it's it's crazy stuff. And, you know, I, I, I have um, dipped my toe in the pool of denying climate change, you know, saying climate change isn't real and people people jump on your back and it's it's crazy but i feel like the more of us who are just intelligent honest earnest people who are piercing through that and starting to say actually no i love science um but this isn't scientific you know we need to break through that narrative it's a it's a really yeah. dangerous narrative yeah i'm skimming the article that you read that you wrote and yeah we we've come to a lot of the same conclusions and really uh, the whole thing is a geopolitical scheme uh, to prevent the development of Africa, India, China, South America. Uh, it, it's so the narcissism of Western environmentalists, especially where, uh, let's say the United States, let's say we tra completely transform society. We cover every farm with solar panels and wind turbines. Uh, we do degrowth and we reduce our emissions by 10 or 15%. Let's say we, tr let's say that actually is possible, which it's not, uh, even even just the the continuing on the the same development curve that Africa, India, China, South America, continuing on that curve is going to wipe out that tiny reduction in emissions by orders of magnitude by like you know 10, 10x, 20x, <laughs> and and taking that further, if if uh, this multipolar world keeps emerging, which it will, and China uh, helps Africa, India, South America build fossil fuel plants, build nuclear, uh, you know, build infrastructure, get cars. Um, the development of the world is going to just utterly demolish any, any reduction in CO2 emissions that the West could uh, accomplish. I say that in quotes, it would be a huge 
downgrade wouldn't be an accomplishment. Uh, it's just insane. You know, they, the, the only way it works is if they use imperialism to prevent the rest of the world from developing. I mean, that, that seems to be just going back to the population bomb that I mentioned earlier. Paul Ehrlich uh, saw the development of India as a huge threat to his narcissistic ideology of, of how everyone should live. Yeah, you know, I mean, well, if we uh, really want us, we can have like a great world, you know? Yeah. We have uh, the technology to feed everyone. We have uh, the technology to give uh, the housing and proper uh, uh, health care and uh, jobs. Uh, uh, the solutions are there. You know, yeah, yeah, we already have the uh, solutions some... now, and we're going to develop even better ones. Yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, so uh, there was a uh, video that I uh, posted, and this, I mean, uh, the Chinese, uh, uh, I mean, uh, the Economist. Uh, he was uh, working for uh, the World Bank, and about uh, fifteen years ago, you know, he got together with his uh, colleagues, and then he. Uh, but talked about uh, the infrastructure needs for uh, uh, the development, you know, I mean, uh, the developing world. And he had this uh, uh, great uh, PowerPoint presentation. And he's like, hey, guys, you know, so uh, this is how we can, uh, you know, fund uh, the growth of uh, the rest of the world. And all of his uh, colleagues in uh, the World Bank, they uh, looked at him like he was nuts. <laughs> and they basically said, no, we are not going to fund railways. We're not going to fund highways. We're not going to fund seaports, airports, schools, hospitals, uh, telecom network. What are you talking about? That's not what the World Bank is about. Huh. <laughs> it's like, really? So then he went back. Uh, uh, to China, and then uh, uh, the Chinese they started uh, their own banks, you know, to uh, fund these uh, uh, the projects, and then they started the uh, Belt and Road Initiative, you know, and uh, uh, the people in uh, the IMF, World Bank, man, I don't know uh, what world they live in, but you know, uh, I mean uh, the whole, I mean. Uh, the financial system, you know, it's all Fugazi, you know, and it's, and they have all the wrong priority, you know. If you want uh, $300 billion to bail out a bank, it takes only two days for the Fed. <laughs> so on Friday, the bank goes down. Monday, the Fed has uh, $300 billion, you know, yeah. and they have, Printed like one trillion dollars in uh, just at, at the last uh, the couple of weeks, you know. Uh, but if you say, uh, uh, so "Can we spend uh, about three hundred billion dollars to bring uh, manufacturing back to the U.S.?" They'll be like, "No, we can't <laughs> do that." Yeah, right? I, yeah. We, I mean, I think, I think, like we, we people like us, we need to usher in a new era of a, like a post-political world, right? Because the the thing that's holding us back is just 
these stupid politics, right? When when you people like you and I who who are just regular people look at the facts, we say there is a rational way to solve this, and and we're why are we avoiding just ra- most human beings on the planet just want rational solutions and to prosper and live their lives. You know, the, the solutions are right there at our fingertips. The only thing that's holding us back is this, these stupid politics, right? This stupid, like, uh, you know, excuses not to do what is like the obvious solution. Um, so yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think, I think it's great what you're doing and I think more people need to, if we can like tap more people into like, just just look at look at what's going on you know like y- there's no reason to be fighting with with russia and china um you know we conveniently here in the u.s they have they have people divided in two camps you have the liberals the democrats who hate russia and then you have the republicans who hate china and then they never that way they can never cross paths i don't know if you have the same thing in india but um you know i try to t- i try to talk to both angles and say no actually russia is good and also china is good don't worry about it <laughs> yeah hey uh, so, I mean, uh, so you know about the guy uh brzezinski right yep mm-hmm. yeah uh, so, yeah so he wrote the book uh, uh, uh the grand uh uh the chessboard yeah. in uh, the 90s you know and he lays out everything. He did not hold back at all, you know. So he goes, well, uh, the U.S. has to be uh, the hegemon. And uh, these are the things we need to do to stay in power. And we need uh, to make sure that, I mean, uh, the Eurasia never uh, gets together and becomes powerful. And uh, 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 we have to keep the vassal. Okay, so he uses the word vassal, you know. And he goes, and we have to make sure that the uh, vassals don't uh, join together. The uh, vassals, they stay dependent on us. I mean, he lays out everything. And he goes, and, you know, and we have to bring uh, Ukraine into uh, NATO. And he gives uh, the timeline, and he gives uh, the logic, and he goes, if we take uh, Ukraine and uh, Black Sea, uh, then we stop uh, Russia. Mm. You know? And so, you know, so it's all, I mean, out there, right? Yeah. So, like, <laughs> so if people uh, uh, wake up, like, in uh, 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 Europe, in Germany, you know, people have access to uh, the internet, you know, so go read, uh, I mean, uh, the McKinder history, go read uh, Brzezinski, and you know exactly why and who blew up uh, the Nord Stream, why they yep. want you to fight with, why they want to hate Russia, Yeah, you know, and uh, people in uh, North Korea and uh, uh, South Korea, uh, they realize, you know, how geopolitics uh, works in uh, divide and rule. Uh, uh, they'll be together in like, in like uh, one day. They'll be like, "Hey, buddy," you know. Yeah. And I just realized that, you know, we've been fooled for seventy years. You know, so let's be one family. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. 
you know, it's it is crazy how they literally just they they bra they brag about what they're doing, right? And but most people don't ever get to access that information, and and if they did, they might say, "I can't believe they're just saying it out loud," right? It's just it's it's crazy. Um, it's to our benefit that they do actually like to brag about what they're trying to do, and and it's crazy too that they they literally call it that they refer to it as a vassal state, things like that, because you know you know a lot of people say, oh, um, this this conversation between capitalism and socialism. Well, the people in charge, they don't, they're not, some people will think, oh, they're, they, it's a communist, secret communist plot, secret socialist plot to end cap, end capitalism, but they want to end capitalism and roll us back to feudalism. It's not, it's not that they want to push us forward. And maybe some people think that, the, oh, that's their version of socialism. And, you know, maybe that's what they call their version of socialism, but it's like, they, they really do want to maintain that, like the ruling order of like the old world. They do not want this new world to be ushered in um, that Xi and Putin are just so magnificently doing right now. Um, and for myself, um, you know, it's a beautiful thing to see Putin and Xi. Like it just it fills my heart with just joy, you know, to see the rest of the world. But I got to say it is, it is terrifying being here in the belly of the beast in in the the core of the imperial you know the imperial core um because they're not going to go down without a fight and uh you can already see it manifesting in these trail derailment train derailments uh you know more mass shootings just the the hysteria is going to be amped up um i does it is it the same way in india too or how, how do you guys feel about about that there uh, the Indian politics is so, I mean, it's so strange. You know, most people, they don't understand uh, geopolitics, yeah. you know. Uh, uh, the media, uh, they're just very parochial, you know. They're uh, they're always just uh, focused on the borders. Um, but uh, uh, the government, uh, surprisingly, uh, they didn't go all, uh, uh, all against uh Russia, because if you look at uh, the media in uh, the U.S., I mean, uh, like yeah. in India, it's full, uh, but dominated by the U.S. Uh, 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 the number one uh, uh, TV channel uh, for English in India is CNN. Oh. So, uh, so uh, well, I was very uh, uh, worried that India would go anti-Russia, but uh, surprisingly, they took uh, the middle ground. Uh, but if only they could do it with, uh, with China, then uh, that would open up a brand new chapter for India. It would be just beautiful, amazing uh, uh, development and progress. Yeah, I know. I, I try to tell Amer Americans too, why, why do we build with China, we, why don't we join the Belt and Road Initiative, rebuild our infrastructure? But I think they kind of internalize what the ruling class believes, which is the projection, right? This projection that, oh, China wants to take over the world and dominate the world, which is a, it is a projection of what they themselves are doing. And they think, oh, now that we've done it, now they're going to they're going to start doing it. And we better, you know, protect, we better fight so that they can't be on top because we got to be on top. Yeah. And the, the only thing in America, the only thing staving off 
uh, a collapse or a more serious recession. I mean, we're already, I think we are in a recession. A lot of indicators are really bad. But the only thing staving it off from being worse is that we destroyed Europe's economy. Europe is, uh, we've accelerated Europe's deindustrialization. We've made energy so expensive in Europe. And now some industry, you know, even though I like industry, the industry that we're getting back in the United States is this industry that's fleeing Europe because we destroyed their economy by propping up uh, the Nazis in Ukraine, you know, with a hundred billion dollars and counting um, that, and that has led to Europe uh, being decimated and Europe, uh, thankfully, thankfully for human, you know, humanity's sake, it was a mild winter in Europe and it wasn't, didn't get brutally cold because things could have gotten really bad. I mean, I, I know a lot of the predictions are that next winter, um, not because of the weather, uh, we don't know what the weather is going to bring despite what, you know, Greta is saying, uh, but, uh, you know, a, a lot of the, the tricks that they pulled out, the one-time tricks that they used to make winter bearable in Europe, um, are going to work next winter. And if it's a, a bad winter, I mean, it's going to be ugly. It's not good. Um, we're not, yeah. you know, <laughs> we're propping up the empire, like, you know, for the last few, few last years by uh, really screwing over the rest of the world. And I, you know, you have to wonder if people in Europe are going to wake up to this. Yeah. You know, I mean, so, uh, uh the main problem with uh, the U S is it's now run by basically uh wall street, you know, and, uh, they don't care about manufacturing. They don't care about uh, the infrastructure, and uh, they don't care about uh, the workers. Okay, uh, uh, the Wall Street, uh, the types, uh, they don't need uh, workers. Uh, they can just uh, make uh, billions of dollars every day fudging the stock price, you know. And they, you know, so they have the Fed, which is basically run by the banks, and. Uh, the uh, Fed can uh, print money. The Wall Street can make money with billions and trillions of dollars of uh, uh, the derivatives. It's like a wild uh, uh, a casino. And they have absolutely no patriotism and uh, they don't have any uh, link to uh, the average person. But uh, uh, worst of all, you know, they live in this uh, bubble. Uh, where they think uh, they're going to be uh, the masters of uh, the universe for uh, forever, you know. Uh, but then, uh, uh, but China, you know, and uh, people just thought, oh, you know, this is just a factory of the world. They're just making shoes and uh, t-shirts. Well, now they brought Saudi Arabia and Iran together. What a historic moment, right? I mean, this is just like to show uh, how, the, how the Chinese have really matured in uh, geopolitics. And they're thinking 20, 30, 40 years ahead, you know? And uh, they're thinking win-win uh, uh, cooperation. And uh, uh, the U.S. spread uh, fake propaganda about uh, the genocide of uh, the Uyghurs in uh, the Muslim for uh, five years. Well, now what? Uh, China is the most popular country among the Muslims. They 
know, they brought the uh, Shiites and uh, Sunnis together. They brought uh, the Arabs and uh, the Persians together, and they made uh, the Middle East safe and peaceful. Okay, so who is going to be, you know, uh, I mean, uh, the heartthrob uh, for Muslims now? And all that uh, the U.S. did was uh, the divided road, you know? And it's not, and now there is like, sort of like a, uh, 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 I mean, uh, a spiritual awakening going on in the world, you know? So people are realizing, wow, what, uh, why am I uh, uh, stuck to uh, uh, the U.S. dollar? Why am I uh, uh, stuck uh, to perpetual wars? Uh, why am I... Uh, you know, uh, stuck in in this uh, 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 the financial uh, uh, capitalism, you know, uh, because uh, uh, beforehand, a uh, a leader from a uh, uh, the developing country, uh, he just wanted to make a few million dollars, you know, uh, send his uh, uh, kids uh, to Harvard or uh, uh, to Princeton and uh, uh, let uh, the Western corporations uh, rob the country, you know. And uh, that's how it was all through uh, the Cold War and up to now. Uh, but now, you know, as people are realizing, well, hold on. Uh, uh, well, I can leave a, uh, a legacy and I can raise 50% uh, of my population above poverty and I can still make money. Uh, some commission and some bribes, uh, but I, uh, uh, while I also, you know, bring power to 70% uh, uh, of my population, and it's just like a brand new way of uh, thinking, you know? And uh, that's how it, I mean, it happened in uh, uh, China, you know? So uh, they have a lot of, I mean, uh, the corruption too, but they get the job done, you know. So, uh, like you could take uh, the mayor of uh, Chongqing or Shenzhen, whatever, you know. So maybe they made a few million dollars on the side with, like, I mean, uh, the kickbacks and uh, the commission. But they also transformed the city. You know, they made the beautiful. They built uh, the high-speed rail. They uh, uh, totally got rid of. Uh, the extreme poverty. I mean, uh, have you guys uh, uh, been to China? No, I would love to go to China, though. But if anyone's listening, yeah, send uh, us to China. <laughs> yeah. So I was there for the first time uh, about uh, about three years ago, you know? It blew my mind away. I'm like, oh my God, this is like so much better than, uh, you know, uh, San Francisco or London or uh, what you know, whatever. Just beautiful skyscrapers, uh, magnetically levitated uh, with trains that go at 400 kilometers per hour. The streets are clean. You know, there's no trash. There are no beggars, and it's so safe. And and it's also very. Uh, uh, cosmopolitan, you know, so, uh, but you can get uh, whatever you want and you think, oh, so this is, I mean, 
are the communist uh, country, and you go to the you know to uh, the luxury malls, and you see Prada, Gucci, Louis Vuitton. <laughs> so uh, uh, they have a great blend uh, of capitalism and socialism, you know, and they take the best of each, and they found a really uh, a, a good model, you know. And so I think uh, the one of uh, the main reasons that uh, uh, the rulers of the West, you know, who are basically the uh, Wall Street financiers, they hate uh, uh, China so much is uh, the model. You know? So in uh, China, uh, uh, the banks are owned by uh, the government, you know, so... Uh, that's for starters, you know, and uh, and if you uh, so look at uh, the uh, uh, the financial results of the bank, you know, so you can go online now and you can uh, check it out, and uh, and they will say, you know, so it's not. So if you look at the uh, uh, the financial result of say, uh, uh, J.P. Morgan, and you ask them, uh, uh, so what did you accomplish? Uh, the first thing they will say is, uh, we made $40 billion and we gave uh, about $20 billion to the stockholders, to the to uh, uh, the shareholders, and we bought, you know, and we spent another $5 billion on uh, stock buybacks. You know, it's all just based on money, 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 money. You know? And you look at the uh, uh, the financial statements of, uh, the Chinese bank, like, uh, we gave $5 billion for manufacturing. We gave $6 billion for poverty eradication. We gave $7 billion for uh, 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 rural uh, revitalization, blah, blah, blah. It's all, like, very specific, very focused on uh, the people and on... Yeah. Of the country, you know. I don't know. I, I read an article in the magazine The Economist that said otherwise. Um, <laughs> had a very good graphic of a giant um, China planet that was dominating other other uh, countries um, that orbit around it. Um, it also talked about the authoritarian CCP, um, and they said that China's foreign policy is transactional. So, yeah. Uh, there's, you know, there's two sides to every story. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and that, I mean, uh, if you go back and you read uh, uh, the great uh, uh, thinkers in uh, uh, the U.S. and uh, the U.K. from uh, the 1990s, and you can see the complete, complete uh, misunderstanding of uh, the Chinese uh, uh, culture, you know, and uh, 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 there was this guy, Siegel. I uh, forgot his name, uh, but I uh, uh, wrote about him in uh, one of my articles, <clears throat> and he said in uh, the 1990s, uh, uh, but China is just a, a small medium power, and it has no future. And it will have no geopolitical power, and it will stay as a 
uh, the developing nation, and it's uh, <clears throat> a share of uh, the global GDP and uh, the trade will be like maybe 4 or 5% at the most. So these people have uh, consistently misunderstood uh, 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 socialism, China, the Chinese uh, the culture, you know. Uh, they've been around for 4,000 years, you know, and they had huge ups and downs. And they had the first, uh, uh, the state, you know, like uh, sort of, I mean, uh, the professional uh, bureaucratic state uh, for 2,000 years ago, you know. Uh, so if you look at all of uh, uh, the European history and uh, uh, the world history, uh, uh, the kings, they always uh, uh, surrounded themselves with uh, family members, you know. But in uh, China, uh, 2,000 years ago, uh, they developed uh, uh, the proper uh, the bureaucracy. You know, so they know how to plan, uh, uh, how to think rationally, and uh, uh, how to support uh, meritocracy, you know. Yeah. And and uh, that's the mistake they did. And now, like even in 2023, uh, when I go online, you know, people will be like, "China's GDP is fake. <laughs> they're, all, they're all slave laborers." I'm like, man, are you kidding? Have you been to Beijing? I mean, uh, like you go to Shanghai, and as uh, so you will find more BMWs and more Porsche uh, than in a uh, big city in uh, the U.S. You know? It's like a very, very different China. And they're like number one in patents, uh, uh, but number one in uh, scientific publications. And uh, they're going places, you know? But in uh, the West, and uh, 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 the same in India, you know, so people are just stuck with uh, with China from uh, the 1990s. Yeah, they're they're not used to China being the the leaders of the world and saying, you know what, they're the ones who are doing it right. I think it, as Americans, it's hard for us to swallow because we're we're all raised. I mean, our generation and younger or older, I should say. Uh, we're all raised with this idea of American exceptionalism, right? That we're the leaders of the free world. We're doing it best. That we're the richest nation and, and everything is, is, you know, we're the leaders, right? We're the leaders in, by every metric. But, um, you know, we're not anymore. China is China's beating us. And, that, and, and honestly, I, I find that to be a little bit of a relief, you know, like, okay, we're not, we don't have to be the top dog anymore. Let's get inspired by what they're doing right and let's try to rise to their level and say if, if they can do it so can we right and um goes back to kind of a mindset change of uh i think in the west our ruling elites um are stuck in this entropic mindset of like there's a, a pie there's one pie and we gotta divvy it up and once it's gone it's all gone and there's nothing left 
Um, whereas the rest of the world, the multipolar world, Russia and China, don't have that mindset. They say, no, no, there's no limits to how much we can grow our pie and everyone can can prosper. There's no limits to how how much prosperity uh, human society can create in the world. And that's like a, a mindset that if it permeated throughout Western culture and throughout the rest of the world, like... <laughs> There, I mean, could you imagine there's no there's no end to like what we could do? We could we could usher in a new world of 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 ending poverty, right? And that, like I think people are stuck in this mindset that poverty is something that we always have to have, right? But we don't where we've been eradicating it throughout human history, you know, um and it's it, it's time to keep that keep that going, right? and and it's it's and poverty is only increasing in our country, and then that's a that's not a good thing. We gotta, you know, the the point of human of human history is to get rid of poverty once and for all. Yeah, I mean, uh, to look at uh, uh, the U.S., right? It's something like uh, the top zero point one percent of uh, the Americans have the same amount of uh, wealth as the bottom. 90 percent you know something like that it's so shocking yeah. you know and uh, the way they're able uh, uh to perpetuate that is by slicing the country right in half you know 50 50 you know like so this 50 percent hates that 50 percent and then they both get screwed yep. in the end divide and help and yeah I mean, uh, like if you uh, uh, have a look at, uh, I mean, uh, the Occupy Wall Street movement in uh, 2008, nine, all those people had the perfect sign, you know? So they said, hey, I mean, uh, the 1%, you know, so we, uh, the 99% have uh, woken up, yep. you know? And they were saying the right things about Wall Street, the banks, uh, the corporations. Uh, uh, the war profiteers and so on. Okay, so now I look at uh, the liberals in you know, the U.S. You're so crazy, you know. They're talking about crazy social stuff that has not nothing to do with reality. I'm like, what happened to you guys over the last decade? Yeah, yeah, it's you know? <clears throat> it's really something that as we move further and further away from Occupy Wall Street and the ninety nine percent, you know, rising up, maybe it'll get more clear as the the fog of history clears or something. I don't know, but it does seem like that inherent somehow our our ruling elites have gotten really good at tapping into sort of that sentiment of unrest amongst the people. And then rerouting that into something that doesn't actually challenge their power. And the question is, how do we overcome that, right? Because I think that the war, the war that our ruling class wages, that the Western American, whatever, rule uh, wages by violence against the rest of the world, but its own people, the war is a mental war, right? They keep us locked in a mental prison so that we end up hating each other more than we end up hating them because and and that's probably why we pose the biggest threat right and we're and Americans the the probably the best thing that they can do for the american mind is to make us feel like there's nothing we can do because 
we're in such a an important position for the rest of the world that if we actually woke up and said, wait a minute, this is our country, not their country, and we said, no, our country is going to work for us, the people, that takes the pressure off the rest of the world because then we focus on our own, building our own country and then partnering and then helping the rest of the, lift the rest of the world up. And that's the last thing that the ruling elites want. So they they find that sort of revolutionary sentiment and then they make people feel like, well, America is just an evil country and we should burn it down. America, KKK, you know, and, and we need sort of like a, uh, an authentic patriotic uh, movement. Um, we need Americans who say, no, we're, we founded our country on being anti-imperialist, not wanting to be a British vassal state, um, and we need to return to that. But it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. Oh, and uh, when we uh, look at uh, the trends like uh, the uh, the de-dollarization, you know. Uh, so the uh, future for uh, the U.S. economy is going to be very hard unless uh, the people make some uh, big changes, you know, uh, because uh, the country has been uh, living uh, beyond its means, you know, like uh, our great deficit every year, one trillion dollar, two trillion dollars, whatever, and fiscal deficit, and just printing trillions of dollars every year, like just you know madness. And yep. this has been made possible because of uh, the exorbitant um, uh, 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 privilege of uh, the dollar being uh, the global reserve currency yep. and uh, the global uh, trade currency. But now the world is uh, finally figuring out, hey, uh, we don't need to use dollar for everything. We have uh, the technology, we have the mathematics, we have uh, the global governance, uh, the peace, and uh, we can just uh, you know, sell uh, the natural gas uh, for Yuan, uh, uh, which just happened uh, yesterday. And it's like a historic moment in uh, geoeconomics. You know, uh, because uh, since uh, the 1970s, for uh, 50 years ago, you know, for uh, 50 years, uh, the U.S. basically had an agreement with uh, the OPEC, uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, to sell oil only for uh, the U.S. dollar. So it's called uh, the petrodollar. And uh, that's really uh, the cornerstone for uh, the American uh, uh uh, the prosperity, and also uh, uh, the power, you know, because if uh, 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 some country doesn't uh, bow to Washington D.C., uh, they get uh, cut off from uh, the American banks, and now they cannot uh, buy and sell and uh, do trade with uh, the rest of the world. Uh, but now with uh, the de-dollarization, the rise of uh, with China and uh, the yuan i mean to look at uh, 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 i mean uh the russia uh as putin just said uh last week that uh he's going to trade uh, with asia and uh with africa uh using uh the chinese yuan yep you know that's really like 
a shattering moment, you know, and and it should have been in uh, the front page of uh, Wall Street Journal <laughs> and uh, the Senate. Uh, uh oh, we lost him. Power might have gone out in India. Oh, you, you. There he is. There he is. Okay. Sorry, guys. Okay. So oh, we added. Okay. Uh, I mean. Uh, power outage in India. Okay, so welcome to the bad infrastructure. Yeah. <laughs> it's real. We'll turn off our power in solidarity. I'm <laughs> sure we're going to... We'll get rolling blackouts soon. Well, yeah, and I'll just say, you know, in your latest blog, uh, your latest Substack post, Beautiful Things Are Happening in Geopolitics, uh, you have a good section and breakdown of de-dollarization. You provide a number of examples and... Um, that are bulleted out about what that means tangibly for countries like India, Malaysia, Indonesia, <clears throat> uh, China buying LNG from uh, the United Arab em Emirates using yuan, um, Kenya announcing that Saudi Arabia and UAE will sell oil for Kenyan shillings, um, Kenya and Iraq are now buying things from Alibaba, um, Egypt joining the BRICS bank, Indonesia uh, telling people to stop using Visa and MasterCard because of uh, the U.S. unbanking Russia. What else? And then uh, a number of items about Brazil. Um, you know, Brazil has a lot of influence now over the, the BRICS bank. Um, but then you say the big kahuna in this radical transformation is, of course, Saudi Arabia, the most influential Arab country and the de facto leader of OPEC. Saudi Prince MBS is a visionary and shrewd person who understands geopolitics, consider that public schools in Saudi Arabia are now teaching Chinese language. Um, MBS is making all sorts of long-term deals with China. Um, for his $1 trillion futuristic city, he's getting uh, yuan-denominated loans from Chinese banks. He's applied for BRICS uh, membership. Under China's stewardship, he's made peace with Iran, thus transforming Middle East politics. Um, while modernizing Saudi's economy, he knows that China will be Saudi's number one oil customer for at least two more decades. And, um, you know, that connects, connects back to something we talked about. Um, Fox gave a presentation recently about this. Um, we talked about climate change and its implications for geopolitics. Um, one of the biggest uh, stories about climate change that I'm sure you've heard that was in, it was in The Guardian a few years ago, it's that... Uh, 100 companies account for 71% of all the emissions in the world. Wow. And when you look at that, when you look at the actual list of companies, which is always hidden, you, you never can just see it right there. But the actual list of companies, the top 10, almost all of them are state-owned BRICS energy companies or aspiring BRICS energy companies. So like the number one emitter in the world is China with their uh, state-owned coal company. Saudi Arabia is on the list. India's state-owned energy is on the list. Russia's, you know, Gazprom is on the list. Um, and you know, this is this is all ties back in. Like the de-dollarization is this critical, critical um, part of fighting back against, you know, what was holding back the the world from developing. Which you know, using this climate change stuff to attack these state-owned companies that are just trying to develop. The rest of the world to raise to raise the rest of the world to where America is now. Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't really, I mean, understand uh, uh, the U.S. 
uh, the elites, uh, uh, the mindset, you know, because, uh, uh, because, uh, uh, the U S has a lot of really, uh, I mean, a lot of, uh, soft power, you know, about, of a lot of, uh, think tanks, uh, writers, uh, journalists, uh, they have a lot of soft power. And if, uh, the U S uh, says to the world, Hey guys, well, listen, I want Russia and uh, Europe to be friends. Okay. And I want them to be prosperous and I wanted, uh, Germany to be prosperous. I want France to be prosperous. I want, uh, Russia and, uh, Germans to be best buddies, you know, the, during, uh, the October fest. And I want the, uh, CCP, it's actually, uh, CPC, you know, but they keep saying CCP, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I want the CC, CCP to be uh, very prosperous and, uh, build bridges all over the world. So you guys do that. And uh, we, the Americans, will be the sort of uh, 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 the managers, you know. So, like, uh, 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 we will be uh, the planners, and we will be uh, the advisors, and uh, we will do some uh, the high end stuff, you know. So, like, if uh, the U.S. it takes uh, the leadership of this world of uh, transformation, it will be very popular, okay? Because uh, but most people in the world, uh, uh, they like the U.S., you know, they like Americans, they like all the things, you know, it's like very, I mean, it's like a very uh, good uh, uh, culture in uh, some sense. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, like wherever you go in the world, you know, so you go into uh, the taxi and if you say that you are an American, you know, most people, even in like in the Middle East, they'll be like, hi, American art, <laughs> you know? So uh, uh, the U.S. could really actually uh, leverage that, you know? So like they could be yeah. friends with China and say, hey, buddy, how are you doing, CCP? Uh, why don't you come and uh, build uh, the railway lines in Ohio, you know? and yeah. And, uh, well, and that and that's why you know Trump Trump is coming in now. He's saying that he could solve the war in Ukraine in 24 hours, and I have no doubt that he could. Yeah, if he was if he was actually in, in that room negotiating. Um, you know, it, it, actually, if the United States wants to do something, it's still there's still a lot of sway, even though we just talked so much about how the U.S. is being marginalized. But we had if we had a leader that was willing to uh, use some of that power for the good of humanity. Um, you know, there's there's a lot that could be accomplished. Yeah, you know, but instead of it, they're trying to ban uh, with TikTok, like communist China, buy balloon. Like, what is wrong with you people? You like have, I mean, have you I got? It's brutal. It's brutal, and they're not, you know, and they're things are moving too in here. I mean, and I don't see, you know, the uh, financial people or. Uh, the politicians preparing America for uh, the future, you know, uh, there's going to be a brand new world and in which uh, the U.S. is not going to be uh, the number one, you know, uh, uh, so it'll be, a, I mean, it'll be a very close uh, number two, 
uh, but it's not going to be number one, you know? So uh, the U.S. has to learn to work with others, you know? Uh, but instead, politicians are just uh, uh, living in uh, the delusional world. And even if you have to be uh, like really smart, like say, you know, like say, I mean, somebody says, no, 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 we should be really uh, number one, okay? So like, if they want to be number one, Okay, so what should they have done? They should have brought Russia into uh, the European mold. You know? Then you would have right. uh, 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 totally isolated uh, with China. Right? So that would have been like the smart thing to do. You know, if you have to be like uh, yeah. Machiavellian. But they're not Machiavellian. They they brought Russia right. and China closer than ever before. Yeah, yeah, they're they're dumb and evil, which is the worst combat. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's probably good that you know now there's this opportunity for good to actually take charge. But yeah, I mean, what when you're talking it makes me think about how the our politicians they don't. There's no sense of a future in our country, and I think that's. That's the problem is that there there can't there like there is a future and we're we're entering it and and in our country they say there's no future um here have some drugs ha you know shoot up your schools uh your all your railroads are are derailing there's there's no jobs um you just have to gig work you have to turn every part of your life into a, a service economy gig working industry just to make the rent yep. um and it's it's sad it really is sad like we could actually be building our railroads and making them better and giving people jobs so that our stuff doesn't derail and cause chemical spills and destroy the environment that people supposedly care so much about we could be we could build pipelines they're they're opposed to pipelines and infrastructure which actually could be very helpful to our country give people jobs you know, free free flow of uh, resources and commerce. Um, it's yeah, that. I mean, just just uh, last week, you know, we were traveling to a conference in, uh, you know, an anti-imperialist gathering in Washington D.C. Uh, through the Center for Political Innovation, um, and just traveling, you know, d traveling from uh, uh, New York City to Washington D.C. So, in both New York City and Washington D.C., uh, no matter where you are. No matter where you're walking in the city, you're going to see multiple uh, homeless people who have all kinds of, you know, addiction, mental mental health problems, who have, and our society has given up on helping them. And basically, they just walk around in the middle of the street screaming, and you know, what? In some situations, they walk up to people and you know, beat the crap out of them. And then on the train itself, you know, it's a look. In China, they have high-speed rail. In the United States, we do things a little differently. We have low-speed rail, uh, so you know the slower the train, the more the more you appreciate it and enjoy it. You know it's better. China's bad. We're good here. Uh, so we have you know low-speed rail. Uh, everything's falling apart. Everything's dirty. So yeah, everything everything's just falling apart. And uh, you know it was it was a good uh, backdrop to going to this gathering and talk to 
talk to people, listen from listen to people from around the world who um, are are seeing a different paradigm and want you know actually see a future in the world rather than just of decay and mental illness and homelessness and addiction, and violence. You know, there's um, there's a lot of hope in the rest of the world, and it's being backed up by by action and the actions speeding up. So that does give me hope. Uh, if we could just, you know, get some, get some inspiration from the rest of the world and convert more to a physical economy instead of such a financialized economy where we're just, everything is a derivative of a derivative and of a bundled package of, you know, stock options or something, you know, that I would much rather invest in high-speed rail, giving people good jobs, good productive jobs where, you know, they have, they have purpose and, yeah, I mean, uh, because if you just dance like thing and you see the world through the glasses of finance, you know, then uh, the people have no value, right? You go, oh, well, uh, here is an American in uh, Michigan. He wants uh, $70 an hour. And uh, and uh, so here is the person in a faraway country. He wants only $10 an hour. Well, uh, the decision is obvious. We should go with the $10 guy, right? At a go, you say, oh, uh, so people are getting sick. They're getting fat. And, uh, they have a lot of diabetes and they have a lot of, uh, of uh, chronic diseases. That's really wonderful. We get to sell them a lot of medicine for life, okay? Because uh, these diseases have absolutely no cure, or uh, that's what we tell people, wink, wink. Uh, uh, there's no cure. And if you do the financial, you know, I mean, uh, the revenue from each person, and you do a, uh, a chart, you know, uh, then it makes a lot of sense to have a whole society of sick people. <laughs> you know? So when you... And Angelite, you lose your soul, you lose your patriotism, you lose uh, the humanity, you become like a monster. Yeah, it's very, very true, very true. And it's entropic mindset, entropic decaying society. I know, it's it really is. We want to invest in human beings and not look at them as an expense on a spreadsheet, right? Or a way to just suck more money out of them, right? By getting them sick and saying, well, now you're hooked on X, Y, or Z. Yeah. No, it's, it's, um, it's parasitic, right? It's a parasitic group of people that we need to just kick to the curb. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm trying to think something, uh, positive, <laughs> no, but, <laughs> but we need, you know, I, so I hope, you know, so that's uh, one of, uh, you know, my hope in uh, writing and uh, social media is is uh, is uh, to wake up people, you know. I mean, I hope that I can, I mean, uh, like because uh, but, uh, uh, sometimes in uh, the human society, you know, uh, so you just need like a spark, you know, and then it spreads like wildfire, you know. Yeah. I mean, I sort of, I look at, uh, the peace in uh, the Middle East, and I think it's going to like, uh, uh, but turn on uh, uh, the light bulb in like 
uh, people all over the world, you know, I think they will, wow, if Saudi Arabia and Iran can make peace, why can we not do that? You know, and, uh, Yep. You know, so I'm hoping that it would be like, you know, there are like uh, a lot of Saudi areas in uh, uh, politics and uh, geopolitics uh, that can happen. Uh, because in the end, uh, uh, we all want each other to be uh, very prosperous, very happy, you know. Uh, so, uh, like we in India, we want it. Uh, I mean, the Americans to be very prosperous, very happy, so they don't wage wars. They, you know, they spend money in uh, uh, the tech companies in India. It'll be a win-win situation, you know. And uh, it's, you know, it should be the same uh, for Europe. I mean, I, you know, we want, uh, you know, I mean, I've been uh, to Europe like uh, 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 many decades ago. It was so beautiful, you know. And uh, uh, when I went to France in uh, the 1990s, wow, everything was amazing, you know, beautiful. They dressed so nice, so classy, and uh, the language was beautiful. The food was beautiful. The buildings were beautiful. It's like, oh, so romantic, you know. But now, you know, like you see Paris is burning, you know. Crash everywhere, protests and cops beating up <laughs> one another. Uh, like, what happened? You know, we don't want, you know, we want the Paris to go back to the beautiful Paris it was. Yep. You know? Yeah. The dream is, the dream is over, right? The bubble burst. But the thing is, like, <clears throat> what you're describing is, like, it's not that we... What we have to learn is that we can have all that beauty and culture and cultivation of humanity, not at the expense of other people. Like that beauty doesn't have to exist at the expense of the rest of the world. Um, and that's really the this point in history, of human history, that we need to overcome that idea that beauty has to only, can only exist for some people. It can it can actually exist for the entire world and. People like yourself and us, we're trying to usher that in, right? And just click in that mindset. Um, is really, it's just a matter of um, looking at reality and being rational, right? And 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 rejecting the irrational people at the top who are trying to keep us, you know, ignorant, trying to trying to keep our brains locked in this old old mindset. I think absolutely. You've been listening to the Space Commune podcast. Today, we've been talking to SL Canton. SL Canton, it's been great talking to you. Um, your your tweets, I found you on Twitter. Your tweets are great. You have a Substack where you write articles and you do like a mini podcast too, right? Um, where where else can people find you? Uh, what do you want to plug today? Uh, uh, but that's it. You know, so uh, follow me on. Uh... Uh, social media and uh, Substack, and uh, so let's start this uh, 
uh, I mean, uh, uh, global movement going. Yeah. And your, so your Twitter handle is Canthan2030. That's K-A-N-T-H-A-N 2030. Because yep. that's when you're, that's when you're running for president. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, we'll, ex- we'll expect a run in 2030. You know, uh, for a while I thought that maybe I could uh, get into, uh, uh, politics in India, but it's so dirty here, you know, uh, so nobody's going to listen to me. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> I, think, I, you know, we, we feel the same way here. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, but thank you so much guys uh, for your time. I really enjoyed it. Also, well, thank you for your time. I mean, this was great. Um, and I hope that we can stay in touch and we can talk some more in yeah, the future. Absolutely. I would certainly look forward to it. SpaceCom Yoon is a media project by two upstate New Yorkers seeking an alternative to the degrowth and deindustrialization paradigm being thrust upon us by the Great Reset Agenda. We love our country, the United States of America, and take inspiration from our revolutionary founding. We want win-win cooperation with Russia and China in developing the world economy for all of humanity and to make America great again. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider joining our Patreon. We also make other content such as documentaries on YouTube and streaming and essays you can find on our website at spacecommune.com.